This is a live edition of the AMCP podcast series powered by Pop Health Week on Healthcare Now Radio. I'm Greg Masters, Managing Director of Health Innovation Media and the producer co-host of the show. Joining me in the virtual studio is co-founder and principal co-host Fred Goldstein, President of Accountable Health, LLC. Pop Health Week engages industry leadership and stakeholder voices spanning payer, provider, patient vendor, and regulatory communities in population health best practices and strategies. Connect with us via www.popupstudio.productions or follow and direct message me on Twitter at GregMastersMPH, and that's Greg with two Gs. On today's live edition, our special guests are Mark McClellan, MD, PhD, and Paula J. Eichenbrenner, the Executive Director at the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy, AMCP, Foundation. And with that rather understated introduction, Fred, over to you. Thanks so much, Greg. And Paula and Dr. McClellan, welcome. Well, Fred, it's great to be with you and your colleagues at AMCP. I really have enjoyed working with all of you over the years around prevention, around treating diseases more effectively. So uh, great to be back today. It's really a pleasure to have you. And Paula, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Thanks, Fred. It's terrific to be here. AMCP Foundation invests in future leaders, and we advance critical insights about the practice of managed care pharmacy. So I'm really thrilled to be joining to chat about AMCP Foundation. As Executive Director, I work closely with our board to implement initiatives that support AMCP's primary objective, helping patients get the medicines they need at a cost they can afford. For example, AMCP Foundation offers a robust internship program for student pharmacists. This summer alone, we've placed more than a dozen bright young leaders at health plans across the country. We also maintain a research agenda for managed care pharmacy. But really, Fred, I'm here today to talk with you about the selection of AMCP Foundation's annual Stephen G. Avey Award. Talk a little bit about what the award is. Let's talk about who the award recipients are, if you don't mind, Fred. When I think about the Stephen G. Avey Award, I think about visionaries, truly, and how patient care is being defined and redefined in America today. I think about innovators and how they're creatively elevating the practice of population health management. I think about advocates affecting change through public policy. Those are the types of individuals and the types of leaders that AMCP Foundation recognizes with our prestigious Stephen G. Avey Award, uh, which is, of course, managed care's highest honor. Through this award, AMCP and AMCP Foundation together point to the future of healthcare, and we inspire the next generation of managed care pharmacy professionals. So this year's awardee, obviously somebody very well known nationally. Why don't you talk about Dr. McClellan and his selection? It is my distinct pleasure to do that, Fred. Thanks. Today's cast features our 2022 recipient of the AMCP Foundation Stephen G. Avey Award, physician and economist Mark McClellan. Dr. McClellan is the Robert J. Margolis Professor of Business, Medicine, and Policy and founding director of the Duke Margolis Center for Health Policy at Duke University. Mark served the U.S. government in top posts as a former administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, of course, and as a past commissioner of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Now, Fred, you may know that while leading CMS, Mark played a key role, in fact, was the architect in developing and implementing the Medicare prescription drug benefit, what we now know as the highly popular and very successful Part D program. But did you know that AMCP leaders were vital partners in that effort 
including prior AMCP Foundation AV awardees like Kim Caldwell and Babette Edgar. And did you know that after Part D was established, AMCP created the Guide to Pharmaceutical Payment Methods, the Sound Medication Therapy Management Programs, and numerous research publications. So I think that the ways in uh, which Dr. McClellan has left a legacy through his distinguished record of public service is also an example for all of us in collaboration and pulling together partners to affect change. Quite the accomplishment. I want to thank you, Mark. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience and how you see managed care and pharmacy and some of the things you've done in that area? Well, I'm happy to talk about that. But first, I just want to say thanks to, to, to you all, to the rest of the AMCP Foundation. Uh, as Paula mentioned, um, this is a very special award. It's particularly meaningful for me since pharmacists have been absolute, pharmacists especially willing to think outside the box and focus on population health and reimagining how our healthcare and health insurance could work. Those pharmacies have been critical for me at every single step of my career. Uh, you mentioned some of the work at Medicare Part D where before that program began, you know, pharmacists were, were not a thing uh, at CMS and, and people like um, Babette and uh, Babette Edgar and Kim Caldwell changed that. The, the uh, pharmacist community, which had its hands full, period, with starting a new drug benefit, engaged and your leaders engaged around building that infrastructure around the drug benefit for things like uh, immediate determination of eligibility and checking a benefit features and building quality into the program with the start of the pharmacy quality alliance you know people like laura cranston involved in that and um since then uh we've done a lot of work in my program at duke margolis you asked about what i've been up to lately that um the duke margolis center for health policy is a university-wide program at duke as uh, as you just heard from uh, paula but one that very much engages uh, pharmacy and, and uh, uh, pharmacists in improving quality of care. So we've been very involved in building out some of the programs that started actually with that Medicare Modernization Act, you know, close to, believe it or not, 20 years ago, um, around population health programs, uh, the forerunners of accountable care organizations. And today, um, there are hardly any of those programs I can think of that don't um, involve pharmacists in, in some significant way. So much of the future of healthcare uh, is about um, identifying patients who could benefit from drugs and other um, biomedical interventions early, where pharmacists have a, a huge frontline role to play, and then getting them uh, uh, appropriately into treatment, where pharmacists are playing an increasing role. Over the last couple of years, we've spent a lot of time working with pharmacists in frontline settings, managed care organizations, and health systems on responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, where, again, pharmacists were just central. And that's still the case today uh, in getting vaccination and booster rates up, in uh, screening for people who have um, developed COVID-19 and for getting them into effective treatments. If, if we could just clone the programs that work, that, that pharmacists are involved in, in, in um, identifying patients at risk and then engaging them and getting the treatment for um, their diseases, whether it's COVID or diabetes or heart disease, or the, the list goes on and on, um, we'd have a far, far um, more healthy and, and far, far more prevention-oriented health system. So the work's not done, but uh, boy, I sure have appreciated the partnerships. 
Yeah, it's really amazing to think about, you know, what, what's been accomplished. And you think back to the day and how pharmacist roles were in the past and then bring managed care into pharmacy and beginning to implement the, some of those programs we talked about, medication therapy management. You see the pharmacist getting out from behind the, the, the counter. And then all of this, this stuff about how do we integrate this into a value-based care model. Uh, and more recently, obviously, the COVID work where pharmacists can now prescribe COVID. So what do you see, Dr. McClellan, as sort of the future? What are some of the other things you think we need to be looking at for pharmacists within this realm? Well, the good thing about healthcare, I guess the good and the bad, is that um, our um, technologies keep evolving. So whether it's around uh, data and infrastructure support or around earlier, more accurate diagnostic tests, including rapid tests that, that can be done in, in pharmacies or with uh, pharmacists' help at, at, at home, um, and then more and more interventions to, to um, change the course of illnesses early on, whether it's um, you know COVID and every other major major respiratory condition where we have we have rapid diagnostic tests, we have therapies at work, we have vaccines that work, but we haven't yet made them uh, figured out how to get them widely available or chronic diseases like uh, diabetes, prediabetes, uh, people with cardiovascular risk factors. There, there's a common feature in all of these models of reaching people where they are out in the community, um, coordinating the use of the uh, of the the treatments in a way that makes for a viable, personalized clinical care pathway and helping patients uh, along with those decisions. Where um, I think the the future for pharmacy uh, is is really bright, um, but we do have some work to get there. And and two areas, um, uh, Fred, that maybe we could follow up a bit on. One is. Um, uh, the way that we have set up our, our drug coverage and, and drug benefits, um, you know, Medicare Part D was was uh, terrific at the time. I can't tell you, you know, it was great to get to know pharmacists around the country, but, you know, seniors who would just get up and hug me and thank you, I can afford my medications now. Nothing like that experience. But I think the benefits kind of fallen behind. We've got a lot of people with high um, medication costs that really weren't what Part D was designed to address. Um, we, we've learned a lot more about how to manage uh, patient populations in uh, a, a drug benefit that, remember, the drug-only coverage hadn't even existed before the, the Medicare Modernization Act. So it's time to modernize the benefit. Um, and then, as I said, we've still got a ways to go on really getting person-focused, prevention-oriented, comprehensive care uh, to individuals, and pharmacists have a critical role to play in that as well. So those would be both are great topics for, uh, I think, further work and, and hopefully for further leadership from pharmacists. And when you think about the the idea of on both of those qu questions, actually, do you see potentially the move to these value based care models? Yeah, let me start with the the pricing and cost because I think if you you know talk to most Americans today, despite Medicare Part D and um, you know all of the the things that have worked in that program, the premium is has been close to flat. Um, it's reaching many more people than than we expected. It's doing so at a lower than expected cost, but the Medical technologies here kind of outgrown the, the benefit structure. So back then in 2004, um, most drugs were for large populations. They were expensive um, by historical standards, um, in part because, you know, drugs were not even a major part of medicine when 
um, Medicare itself was created, you know, it was really downstream care, you know, a, a lot of uh, treatments in the hospital and when people had developed medical complications. So Part D did help change that, but it didn't have a, a catastrophic benefit because that's not where most drug expenditures were. Uh, it was pretty lenient, I would say, on the um, drug plans and that uh, above the, at the high end, um, uh, the government picked up 80% of, of, of the costs of, of drug coverage, which isn't, you, know, you think about like, incentives to negotiate that probably isn't going to um, lead to, to really aggressive negotiation if the, uh, the federal government's picking up 80% of the tab. So those things need to change. And, and there's been a, a lot of work over the past decade around what a modernized Part D benefit would look like. And right now, I've got two things coming together with congressional interest in this exact topic. One is there have been bipartisan proposals for how to modernize Part D, and that's actually largely incorporated in the legislative package that the Democrats in Congress are working on now. It would create uh, catastrophic uh, expenditure protection. So beneficiaries past $2,000 don't have to pay anything. Um, that's really important because while, you know, the rebates that we see are helpful in keeping premiums down, they're not necessarily helpful um, for those out-of-pocket costs for people who have high drug needs. And the fact that there's no out-of-pocket limit uh, in Part D is also a problem. So this benefit would fix that. It would also create stronger incentives for the drug plans and the manufacturers to negotiate lower prices for these high-cost drugs because it would shift um, the burden of those costs to the insurers, where frankly, I think it should be now that we've got like really good experience in understanding drug costs and understanding how to administer and, and update drug benefits. So that piece of legislation, I think, is really helpful. I think the concern here is, um, Fred, that um, just fixing, uh, just trying to get to lower prices by itself isn't the whole problem. Um, what we've seen in a lot of areas of care, take COVID, for example, um, a, a treatment can be free, Paxlovid um, vaccines, and that still um, doesn't reach many people who can benefit. We still have seen big disparities emerge in outcomes and access, and that gets to the other thing that needs to change, which is our whole care models for, for, for using uh, the medications and these you know, increasingly good diagnostic tests and supporting data and analytics effectively to find patients where they are and really intervene early and effectively in that care pathway. So it's not just a question of, okay, you've got coverage, you're not going to pay much, you know, when you're hospitalized with a, a COVID complication or with a complication from your um, poorly controlled heart disease risk factors, um, but you're going to get help and uh, identifying uh, if you're at risk and then having the, the healthcare system meet you where you are. And pharmacists are just critical in doing that and helping to inform the kinds of care models that we should be implementing and being out there um, on the front lines, um, interacting with patients, spending time with them, um, you know, whether it's uh, their, their pharmacist in their community or a pharmacist member of a, a coordinated care team. Um, they, they understand the medications that are just so important in managing so many conditions 
conditions today and more so coming in the future. Um, they, they have the ability to be the, the glue um, that puts a lot of these new care pathways together. And while we've made progress in implementing those models, uh, there's still more to do. And that's why this is also a very high priority for CMS and, and many um, Medicare Advantage plans, Medicaid uh, plans are finding that, you know, just negotiating a low price for a drug doesn't solve the problem. Um, it's, it's necessary, um, but it's not sufficient. Um, we've got to match that with, with payments to healthcare providers that support and sustain these kinds of care teams where pharmacists are playing an increasingly central role. Yeah, and I think one of the areas you're sort of touching on too, and I know AMCP is very involved in this, is this whole area of health equity. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to a live edition of the AMCP podcast series powered by Pop Health Week. Our guests are Dr. Mark McClellan, the director, and Robert J. Margolis, MD, professor of business medicine and policy at the Margolis Center for Health Policy at Duke University, and Paula Eichenbrenner, the executive director of the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy, AMCP Foundation. Paul, I know this is a really high priority for AMCP. Well, I was just going to jump in here and say that, in fact, addressing uh, health disparities and ensuring more pharmacoequity is a key priority for AMCP and AMCP Foundation. Earlier this summer, we hosted a summit on health disparities, and I'm tracking with great interest some of the case studies that were showcased there um, and some of the other great work that I'm aware of. This summer, AMCP Foundation has been involved in a study with a health plan looking to have its uh, prescriber base adopt more usage of the Z codes um, in the ICD-10 system. And so we're, we're really looking at ways like that uh, that can help us to refine and move towards the more preventive model of care that Dr. McClellan has pointed to. I think that, you know, we um, all agree that there are disparities in care, right? And we agree about eliminating them, but let's acknowledge that there's a business case to do that too. When we make health care more equitable, we're typically making it more affordable for all stakeholders. So absolutely a key priority for our organizations. Yeah, this is a great way to, or the right way, I should say, to, to get healthcare costs down, not, not restricting access to valuable, innovative treatments or not updating our, our benefits to, to reflect what really matters. Um, I think the challenge that we're finding in implementing these reforms is that the scope of activities or interventions that matter for a particular patient varies. And as we get more tools available, you know, digital apps are, are great for interacting with some patients, not others. Um, some people, as you're saying, on, with the Z codes, those are intended to help capture some of these social factors that are, you know, such important barriers for people who are having, you know, issues with transportation or, or, or worried about where they're sleeping tonight or getting enough food for their families. They, you know, not going to be worried about complying with their uh, or adhering to their medications. So we have to have effective ways of addressing those challenges, but they have to be personalized. So we have a you know, sustainable and affordable system. And that's putting more pressure on all of us in healthcare systems to um, develop new capabilities to, to be able to move, as, uh, as Fred mentioned, in some of these um, new payment models with CMS um, uh, advancing models like accountable care organizations and the new 
ACO REACH program that have explicit goals around improving outcomes, reducing inequities, reducing total cost of care. And with that, the healthcare providers get more flexibility, but that's tough because, you know, you're accountable, not for just, okay, did the patient, um, did I prescribe that drug or did the patient pick up their prescription? But, you know, did they actually get on the right medication? Is it actually, uh, are they adhering to it? Is it actually having impact on their outcomes? And, you know, the first reaction, understandably, for many healthcare providers is, well, look, my job's hard enough, and especially after a couple of years of, um, uh, trying to deal with all the challenges of COVID staffing and response and, 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 and so forth. This is seems like more work on top, but that's where I think some of the AMCP work and um, where we've seen like, like pharmacists can play increasingly critical roles in helping these teams stay together and work well together. Um, one of these ACO supporting organizations, a um, company called Upstream actually relies on embedding, you know, their main intervention, Fred, is embedding a pharmacist in a primary care practice to, to fill in these gaps, to, to be able to put together data and to maybe spend more time with individual patients where it's needed to understand why their adherence issues and, and, and to you know, help the whole kind of team work together. Um, it's not easy to do, but the good news is um, a lot of support from CMS for moving in this direction. And thanks to the AMCP, AMCP Foundation work and, and others, more evidence, more case studies, more examples of how to succeed. So you've been inside the rooms for all these meetings, you know, high level government meetings, obviously policy work, medical work, et cetera. Do you think we're at an inflection point now to begin to see some sort of major shifts in the healthcare system that will allow for these newer models to flourish and ultimately root and grow? I, I think so. And partly that's driven by progress in biomedical technology. So, you know, this pandemic for, for all of the preventable deaths and so forth that we were just talking about, all the inequities, it really has been incredible to see the speed with which, you know, we now have very rapid, pretty, not perfect, but pretty reliable tests for, for diagnosis that can be used by pharmacists and others out in the community by people directly over the counter tests. We've got treatments, we've got vaccines that need to be updated, and yeah, we can do better. But um, it, it really is, I think, a model for what the, the future is going to look more like. You know, if you think about um, cancer, well, there are tests in development now actually starting being used that can help with earlier diagnosis um, uh, through blood samples, not just of the big ones that we've been able to screen for to some extent before, breast cancer, colorectal, uh, et cetera, but many others, pancreatic cancer, thyroid, liver, et cetera, where we, we haven't ha been able to intervene as early or effectively. The treatments are getting better. And I think that's going to push um, Fred, more create more pressure for, for moving to these models that, that help put people back at the center. So they're not just feeling like they've got to coordinate across social issues and, and different kinds of specialties and so forth, um, but they really can get uh, access. They can be part of a health system built around them. It really is a health system that uh, is designed and, and can help keep them well. To make that work, we do need to make further progress on payment reform. So that's why I'd like to accompany some of the steps like we're seeing right now with this interest in Medicare Part D to make the benefit more comprehensive and to, to, to create more pressure for price negotiation by the drug plans to complement that with 
other steps, like more movement towards this whole person accountability, including accountability for reducing inequities that's challenging for healthcare providers. But again, it can be done. Yeah. And, and, I, and as you pointed out earlier, it's really about bringing together a team to solve that kind of a problem because you need the pharmacist in there, may need some behavioral health specialists in there, community resource coordinators, et cetera, working with the patient. So I really want to thank you. I mean, the work you've done has just been fascinating over the years and obviously a well-deserved award. So um, just congratulations on that effort. Well, well, thanks, and and hopefully, Fred, uh, none of, none of us are done. We still got a, a lot of a lot of things to look back on. Again, I want to thank um, all my colleagues in pharmacy who have made these important steps possible, and so much a part of my life and and my career. Um, but just a reminder that you know the good news is our technologies, our drugs, biologics, um, other therapies keep getting better. They keep enabling us to move care more out into the community with early diagnosis and targeted interventions to, to patients. And um, we need pharmacists now more than ever to help manage all of that. I just want to comment briefly on the award's namesake, Stephen Giavi himself, a beloved past president of AMCP and a past executive director of AMCP Foundation. For his entire career, uh, he has reflected the values of integrity and volunteerism and collaboration. I'd, I'd love to hear any reflection from you, Dr. McClellan, about leadership and, and the role it's played in your career and words of encouragement for the young leaders on the line who may be joining us. Thanks. And that's that's a, a great point to, to end on. I mean, one reason this was such a special honor is not just because of my career-long ties with, with AMCP and everything you stand for, but uh, Steve's leadership as well. Um, the, the work that AMCP is doing to improve access to high-quality, cost-effective medications, and remember, medication is now a very broad uh, term with a, a lot of diverse interventions where, where pharmacists can play a role, you know, not to sugarcoat it. You know, I know it's been a tough couple of years for pharmacists and everybody else who's been on the front line, but I think looking ahead, especially from AMCP perspective, some of the most important healthcare leaders for the future are going to be pharmacists. It's not going to be the traditional way of, um, you know, sitting behind a counter and and um, just uh, uh, filling the prescriptions accurately, as important as that is. It's going to be using data. It's going to be engaging with patients. Uh, as Fred said, it's going to be engaging with, with care teams. Um, uh, pharmacists, uh, pharmacy training is very efficient to begin with in terms of getting up to speed with uh, mechanisms behind diseases and the, uh, the practical steps that we can take to address them. But it's going to be even more important for the future as we have more of these interventions possible. So, um, you know, what I tell some of my students is, um, you know, when you're thinking about going into a career in healthcare and health reform, um, don't just think about the job that's there now that you'd like to do. Think about what the future can be with these more effective diagnostics, more effective interventions, if we can target them effectively and efficiently and equitably to the right people. And think about what that job would be like. And I see AMCP playing a, a critical role uh, in making all of those jobs happen for the future of medicine. Well, thanks so much, Mark, for ending with those thoughts. And Paula, it's been fantastic. Thanks for getting you both on. Fred, Paula, all you at AMCP, thanks very much. A pleasure for us as well. Thanks, Fred. Mark, congratulations again. And back to you, Greg. And that is the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank Dr. Mark McClellan, the director and Robert J. Margulis, MD, professor of business medicine policy at the Margulis Center for Health Policy at Duke University, and Paula J. Eichenbrenner, 
Executive Director of the Academy of Managed Care Pharmacy, AMCP Foundation, for their time and insights today. Do follow Dr. McClellan's work via www.healthpolicy.duke.edu and on Twitter via at Duke Margolis and Paula Eichenbrenner via www.amcp.org or on Twitter via at AMCPORG or the hashtag AMCPFDN. We stream live on Healthcare Now Radio weekdays, 5.30 a.m., 1.30 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and for you left coasters, 2.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and 6.30 p.m. Pacific. For the AMCP podcast series powered by Pop Health Week, my co-host Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying, please stay safe, everyone. Bye now.